Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. So I love my caraway cookware. I talk about this all the time because I love it and I don't love to cook, if I'm honest. But when I use caraway cookware, which by the way is non-toxic and chemical-free, It is so chic and so easy to use and so easy to clean. It makes me want to be a cook. So join me in this cooking fun. Visit carawayhome.com slash humans10 to get 10% off during their summer refresh event. Certain exclusions do apply. That's carawayhome.com slash humans10 or use the code humans10 at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, and I'm so delighted to bring you this conversation with Jenny Wallace. Her new book, Never Enough, When Achievement Cultures Become Toxic and What We Can Do About It, is so awesome. And I'm really excited for today's conversation because we're focusing on healthy strivers. Those are the kids who can still achieve and still be motivated, but in the context of mattering. Jenny is an award-winning reporter. She drew on thousands of interviews. She surveyed 6,000 parents, and she really exposes how the pressure to perform is not a matter of parental choice. It's baked into our larger society and spurred by increasing income inequity and dwindling opportunities. But there is something that we can do about it, and the answer isn't to just not care. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to write a little review, give a five-star rating, and of course, DM me with questions and follow-up on at Raising Good Humans podcast. And don't forget, you have one more week to pre-order the five principles of parenting so that you can join me for a back-to-school live Zoom. All you have to do is go to DrLisa.com and follow the pre-order directions, or you just pre-order wherever you get books and just send me your receipt or order number. That's the five principles of parenting, your essential guide to raising good humans. I have spent the last couple of years working on this to make sure that I give to you all the science that matters in one spot for what really is going to move the needle in your parenting experience, both for yourself and for your family. I cannot wait to share this with you. And because you're already so familiar with me, I think you can trust the pre-order and I want to make so many awesome incentives to make the pre-order 
fun and valuable. The first one is going to be this live Zoom. There are going to be some other additional content packages in the fall. Any pre-orders that you do starting now are going to count for any pre-order promotions. So please do it. It helps me so much. And of course, it gets the word out to booksellers who need to decide what books to put on their shelves. So go to DrLisa.com and pre-order The Five Principles of Parenting. I love all of you, and I cannot wait to share all this good stuff. At this point, we've talked enough about high achievers, parents who have that mindset, kids who have that mindset in the absence of support and mattering. But what about the healthy strivers? Because that's the part where I think it gets confusing and what you clarify so beautifully. Can you define mattering and healthy strivers? And then let's just go into it. Thank you for having me on today. You know, I spent four years researching this book and I I spoke with a lot of families, like you said, who, you know, families that really struggled, lost a, a loved one to suicide. And, you know, I saw a lot of the turmoil on the ground. And then I went in search of who were the kids who were doing well despite the pressures in the environment. So I was looking like, what did the parents focus on at home? What was school like for them? What were their friendships like? As a parent of three teens, I was looking for things that I could bring into my home to help buffer against, you know, the pressure when it becomes toxic. And so actually with the, with the help of a researcher at Baylor, I found about 15 things that these healthy achievers had in common. And as I was looking for a framework to present my findings to parents, I came across the construct of mattering. And it's been around since the 1980s. It was initially conceptualized by Morris Rosenberg, who brought us the concept of self-esteem. And what he had found was that the kids that he met with healthy self-esteem had this feeling at home that they mattered to their parents, that they were significant and important to them. And mattering is different than loving our kids. It's, it's overlaps, of course, but it's, it's separate from the unconditional love that we all feel for our children. Mattering, the, way, the definition I like, and, and there are several definitions, but the one that really resonates with me as a parent and as a researcher is the idea of feeling valued by our family, friends, and community for who we are at our core and being depended on to add meaningful value back to our families, to our friends, to our communities. The kids who had this high level of mattering, the kids I met, it it wasn't that they were never anxious or depressed. They had setbacks and failures. But mattering acted like a protective shield that buffered against the stress, almost like in my mind, it was like a buoy that lifted them up so that they didn't drown. And the kids who were doing the worst, I found, were kids who felt like their mattering was contingent on their performance, that they only mattered when or they only mattered if. And that was both at home and at school. A lot of kids talked about the cultures at school where you know, unless you're performing, unless you're a star athlete, you don't actually matter. And also the signals in our wider culture that, you know, the other kids I found who were not doing well were kids who felt valued by their families, 
but were never depended on to add meaningful value to anyone other than themselves. So they were so fixated and self-focused that when there were setbacks, they had they weren't able to zoom out and see their place in the larger picture. And so those bumps really sidelined them. So the kids that I met again, just to wrap it up, the kids I met who were who were the healthy strivers had this high level of mattering and their parents really focused on it at home. Concretely, how does that look? I'll give you a, a few examples. So one mother I met who was a very, very wise mother. She had four teens and young adults. And she showed me this sort of idea of, of how to make the thinking of mattering visible to her kids. So she, she told me about a little experiment that she would do whenever her kids would come home, if they failed a test or didn't make the A-team or a friend was icing them out. She would reach into her purse and she would grab a $20 bill. And she would say to the child, do you want this $20 bill? And, she, and they would inevitably say, yes, of course I do. And she'd say, okay, hang on. She would crumple it up. She'd smash it dramatically on the floor so it got all dirty. And then she would dunk it in a cup of water. And then she would lift it up and she would show this soggy, dirty dollar bill, $20 bill to her child. And she'd say, do you still want it? And the child would say, yes. And she said, like your worth. Your self-worth does not change whether you are on the A-team or you're cut from the team. Your value is your value no matter what. It never changes. So that's one way. You know, mattering is this idea that at the surface feels so simple, but it is so deeply, deeply profound. The researchers who study it said to me, after the drive for food and shelter, basic human needs, it is the need to matter that drives human behavior for better or for worse. So kids who have this high level of mattering, when they know their worth is not contingent on their performance, they can reach higher. Their setbacks are not an indictment of who they are. The kids who you know, feel like they only matter when are less likely to take the risk they are also, you know, most tragically, an, an example of that is a school shooter who will say, I don't matter. I'll show you I matter. So they will act out in ways that force people to take notice. So mattering at home is like that $20 bill, sending our kids signals day in and day out that buffer against the signals that they are being sent in their environment. And those signals are, you know, you matter if you have a certain number of followers or a certain number of likes on your Instagram feed, or you make the A-team, or you get into the college that everybody's gunning for. Buffering against those messages at home, to me, was the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways from my research in the book, was that my job is not to push my kids to fulfill the, their potential in the environment where I'm raising my kids at these high-achieving competitive schools. What my kids need is a home that prioritizes mattering away from external achievements. And I've taken that to heart. We know that family life can get so busy during the school year. It's just so nice to have any way to keep your plans and home life organized, particularly if you have multiple kids. I love starting back to school season 
with a plan to be organized. And then over time, I know that falls apart. And so for families who are kind of dreading juggling all of the logistics of back to school and extracurricular and work and sports and appointments and doctors and the list never ends. Anyway, there's a tool that I learned about that is a sanity saver, the Skylight Smart Family Calendar. You will love this new way to visually organize and color code, I love that, all of your family's plans and to-dos. Skylight's Smart Family Calendar is the upgrade your family needs this school year. For me, I like the calendar to be on my iPhone and digital and something that I can change on the phone, but I also want to see it on the kitchen counter. So the Skylight Calendar syncs all the different digital calendars and events that your family uses and shows them all together in one beautiful touchscreen display. And the new chore chart feature shows organized lists of what each person needs to get done so you can check them off and stay on top of household duties. You know, I feel like household duties that are meaningful and helpful are just good for everybody. Now, as a special offer, you can get up to $30 off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com and enter the code HUMANS. Again, skylightcal.com and enter the code HUMANS. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L.com, promo code HUMANS. Raising Good Humans is sponsored by BetterHelp. Of course, I am a huge advocate of mental health support. So if you have considered therapy or you are feeling like you just need someone who can help you think through all the racing thoughts in your head and you want to start this new school year off with your own mental health as a priority, there's a really easy way to get it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform. I cannot tell you how many people say to me, I want to try therapy, but I just don't have time to access it. I cannot find anybody. I don't know how to fit it into my schedule and on and on. BetterHelp is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and if for whatever reason the therapist isn't right for you, you can switch at any time. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash humans today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash humans. Your mental health is a huge part of your family's mental health. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash humans. Even when we really deeply believe that we've expressed that who our children are is so absolutely deeply meaningful to us and it is why we love them, not what they've achieved. How are we sending opposing messages? And then the second part of that question is what's happening that is making us struggle between the striving in a healthy way or the healthy strivers, as you call them, and being able to not shift that so quickly into the more unhealthy culture of achievement. Yes. I, as the mother of three teenagers, I have fallen into this trap myself. When my son used to, my oldest used to come home from school, 
you know, and had been studying for a big test, you know, the first thing I'd ask is how to go. That sends the signal to them as I have come to, to believe and to realize that, wow, my son must be thinking this is what I've been worrying about all day. So much so that I had to blurt it out when he walked in the door to allay my own anxieties. So now instead of I, I really don't ask about grades and, and they go to a school where parents don't have access to grades. And I'm so grateful for that. Instead, now, when he walks in the door, I lead with lunch and I ask him, what'd you have for lunch today? And that's something that I, that my grandmother used to do with me growing up, you know, whenever I'd call her on the phone, she'd say, oh, what'd you have today for lunch? You know, it was this really subtle signal that I care about you as a person. I don't need to know about your achievements. So I lead with lunch. That's one way that I've changed changed my ways. Our mutual friend, Tina Payne Bryson, actually gave me great advice on taking the temperature of how achievement is talked about and modeled and stressed in your home by asking yourself these four reflective questions. So the first question is, take a look at your child's calendar after school and on the weekends. So just assess that. Where are they spending their time? Number two, take a look at how you're spending your money as it relates to, to your child. Number three, what do you ask your child about on a daily basis? Like me with the, how'd you do on your test? And then the fourth thing, what do you argue with your child about? What are the things that really trigger you? And if you look at those four things, you may believe that you are not stressing achievement. But if you look at those four factors, it tells the story that your children are hearing. So I thought that was a really helpful tool. I love that. Okay. So you talk about small ways in our everyday contributions that we can help kids matter, not just for the big picture of like what they're going to contribute going forward, but how they contribute in their day-to-day -day community in their households. Can you talk about that? Because that is also a super concrete way of getting kids and ourselves to feel like we've got this going on. Yes. So I'll give you a few examples. One thing that we do in our family is every birthday, we say, we go around the table and we say one thing we love about the birthday boy or girl. And it will be things like, I love your sense of humor. You know, my daughter once said to her older brother, I love how caring you are about people and even strangers. So there is a way, and we've, we've often extended this beyond our immediate family to friends. And actually everybody kind of wants to participate in this. And it's not pressured as the one thing you love about the person, but just a thing. And so it's a way of getting feedback about why you matter to other people, what it is about you that they value. Another thing that we do, and I learned this from a mother in Maine that I went and interviewed, was we've started to hold something called family meetings, which sounds ridiculous. And when I first heard it, I rolled my eyes and I was like, oh my God, I'm not holding a meeting in my home. But what the family meeting does is it's very short. Ours were less than 10 minutes. And what we do at that meeting is we talk about family matters, things that are going wrong or need improvement in family life. And everyone in the family meeting is an equal. 
parents and kids. We all take turns hosting the meeting. Someone keeps an eye on the clock. So my teenagers are, you know, get buy-in that this is not going to last more than 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and during the week, we keep a sheet on the refrigerator of family matters and things to talk about. Like, you know, we have two closets, literally three feet from the front door and no one ever puts their shoes in. And so, you know, one of the things in the family meeting was, you know, is there something we can do about the shoe situation? Because I walk in and I trip on it all the time, you know, little things like that. Or, you know, I have a deadline. This would be another family matter. I have a huge deadline this week. I am not going to be able to do a lot for the family. Who can pick up the slack? Who can do what? And then we problem solve it. So these family meetings, they both signal that to your child that, that you value their opinion, you value their problem solving skills. And it also reinforces that they have an obligation and a responsibility to be a contributing member to the family. Because family is really the first introduction to society for a child. So to teach the ch child to know, you know how they can contribute, where they fit in, how valued they are, it is a really great way of bolstering their mattering. Another thing that I did as I was researching this book was my older son, you know, our kids are so busy during the week with their homework. And so what I've started to do is finding ways for them to really contribute in a meaningful way so that it doesn't just feel like they're doing this because I'm assigning them chores. So my older son would be tasked with taking his little brother, they both go to the same school, but they're in different divisions. So my, my older son was in the upper school and my younger son was in the elementary school. And my older son's responsibility, because I was working hard on this book, was to take his little brother to school every day. And we live in New York City and there was no school bus. So that was my son's, my older son's task. And he had to do that whether or not he had the day off, whether or not he didn't, like on his Fridays, he could go in late but he couldn't because he had to take his little brother into school. So it was, it was, he didn't love it. I'm not saying he was like skipping to school every day, just like I don't, you know, skip to the supermarket, but it was something that he knew it was a way for him to contribute to the family. When I was really at the end of my deadline and really crawling to the finish line with this book, I just didn't have time to grocery shop. And so my kids would take turns ordering on Fresh Direct and Fresh Direct comes to our house and they would be in charge. So anyway, it's just a way of just adding value in a meaningful way to our kids. Again, another way, my older son is really good at tech. So when COVID hit and I had to create a home office that I didn't really have this great office for Zooming, et cetera, he, he set it up together. The mic that we're talking on right now, he ordered. It didn't have a specific part that I needed for my computer. He ordered that. He set me up. He even did my lighting, which you can't appreciate now, but he, he set me up for success. He is my, you know, it's a dubious distinction, but he's my tech, tech, yeah, chief tech officer. Yes. <laughs> I have one of those. Mine is yes. 16. Yes. So now I just want to take a quick break to tell you a little bit about Stitch Fix, my sponsor, because... It's the beginning of the school year. We all know what that means. Back to school shopping is a big part of it. Making sure everybody fits into their clothes. Everybody feels like they have clothes they can wear that are comfortable, cool enough for your kids, and also don't make you gasp. Stitch Fix just gets your family, which makes clothing shopping for kids super easy. 
I love super easy and they have comfy, cool styles in your kids' sizes. And the pieces are really affordable, starting as low as $10. Stitch Fix does all the work so you can focus on the things that you need to focus on. There are stylists at Stitch Fix, so they work with the whole family and they send kid-approved styles at parent-approved prices. So let Stitch Fix alleviate some of the back-to-school madness so you can stay focused on what you want to focus on. You can save time on shopping. And all of the try-ons are in the comfort of your own home, on your own time, and you can return things that don't work. Try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com slash humans and get 25% off when you keep everything in your kid's Stitch Fix. That's stitchfix.com slash humans for 25% off. Stitchfix.com slash humans. So let's talk about healthy motivation versus the kind of motivation that we know is not going to support healthy drivers. It's going to push the unhealthy. Yes. So what I found was a common theme among the healthy drivers that I met is that their parents instilled a kind of healthy fuel in them that motivated them to want to succeed. Were they motivated every single day? No. Did these parents have guardrails and boundaries and, you know, you know, rules about maybe how homework gets done? Yes. But they, they didn't motivate their kids by a grade. You know, so there, there are two ways I have found that we can motivate our kids. Healthy fuel or dirty fuel. Healthy fuel looks at the big picture. Dirty fuel might be something that a tired parent would lean on when, you know, they see their kids' grades slipping and that dirty fuel might be comparing them to a peer or saying, you know, you want to go to one of these big schools, well, you better get your act together. So dirty fuel uses criticism and comparison, unhealthy comparisons to motivate a child. You know, one father that I met in Cleveland gave me a really good example of healthy fuel. His son wanted to go to Harvard and study science. And so he said to his son, here's generally what kids who want to study science at a really, you know, competitive higher ed school, here's generally what that, what their day-to-day looks like. They join the science club. They, you know, focus on taking advanced classes in science and not necessarily in other areas like English that don't really relate to their field so that they don't get burnt out. So the healthy fuel is really helping our kids zoom out, seeing what their strengths are, naming those strengths, helping them through the obstacles in a way that keeps their worth intact. Healthy fuel, another way of sort of instilling this healthy fuel is through affection, particularly in setbacks. I have a line from Scott Galloway that he had in his book, The Algebra of Happiness, that for him growing up, affection was the difference between thinking someone loved them and knowing they did. And so I really doubled down with the affection. So with healthy fuel, another way of instilling this kind of healthy fuel in our kids is to help our kids find their strengths. And actually, an overwhelming majority of adults don't know what their natural strengths are. 
And what something that I've, a tool I found really helpful is something called the VIA Strengths Survey, which is a free survey that was developed by the leading positive psychologists, Marty Seligman, Christopher Peterson at Michigan, and dozens of other really great researchers. And what they have developed is this short 10-ish minute survey. And at the end of it, and it's free, at the end of it, it gives you a sense of what your natural strengths are. So for example, I did this with my daughter. And this was in middle school when she was having, you know, trouble at the lunch table. There was like some mean, typical mean girl behavior. And so we did this strength survey. One of her top strengths is her sense of humor. And I said to her, how can you use that strength at the lunch table to sort of buffer against this mean girl behavior? And so she started using humor and it worked. So helping our kids match their strengths with you know some some obstacles that they may have this survey was a great way of doing it so you can google via strength survey or you could head over to something that i have co-founded with a few other colleagues called the matteringmovement.com and we have this strength survey there as well we'll put it in the show notes great the new school year is starting very soon and let's say parents are listening to this and they're feeling like you know what, I need to make some repairs and take a new path forward because I'm inspired by this, but it's definitely not been the way we've been doing things. How do you suggest they approach the new school year to set it up for healthy strivers with a sense of mattering as opposed to what could present as things are going really well, but it just doesn't feel right? Like something, something feels like, okay, I recognize that maybe I'm doing things in a way that are confusing achievement and love and value. Yes. So I would start by thinking about the mattering framework itself, because that's sort of, I now lead in my home with mattering. So when one of my children come to me with a problem, I think, is it that they're or feeling bad? I think, is it that they're not feeling valued by me or their friends Or is it that they're not being depended on to add value to anyone other than themselves? Are they missing that social proof that they matter? So the first question I ask myself is, where in mattering are they not feeling like they matter? In the feeling valued or the adding value? If it's in the they're not feeling valued, I would start with making your thinking explicit. I would start with the $20 bill experiment that that mother taught me. Start telling them about this mattering and asking their kids, do you feel like you matter for who you are at your core? Or do you sometimes feel like you matter to us only when you achieve? And I, I, again, these have to be age appropriate conversations, but I think, and I've seen it in my own home, that kids really want to have that good relationship with us. And they are very resilient to our missteps. And if we can meet it head on and say, you know what, we're going to focus on something else this year. We're going to focus on mattering in our house. And here's how we're going to do it. You can do it with a a 10-minute family meeting. And I have all of these resources in the book and also some of them at thematteringmovement.com. Parents can download you know, what a family meeting looks like. I have the outline for it. So I think the first things I would do is 
to talk with my family about what mattering is and how it's this idea that helps us feel good about ourselves and helps us to build these healthy relationships. And then I would start really noticing your kids and making a point to point out what it is that you love about them and admire about them that has nothing to do with achievement. Another thing I would do, and this was a mother that I interviewed in my book, I would keep a mental note, or this mother actually wrote it down, of the interactions that she had with her teenagers, particularly her one teenage boy. And she always made sure, she tried at the end of the day to make sure that the the positive interaction versus negative interactions, that the positive was always heavier, that there were always more positive interactions. So I, I guess what I would say to parents is to really just start being aware of the messages overtly and subtly that you're sending and to make these small shifts. These are not major shifts. These little small shifts can really turn the ship around in your house. And it has really done so in mine. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.